Postal Publishing, The Going Postal Cast, and Christopher Chapman present Incarceration, the serialized weekly podcast performed by the author, Christopher Chapman. For more information, visit www.goingpostalpublishing.com or email him at goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. This podcast is not suitable for children. It has violence, gore, and lots and lots of naughty words. If you can't handle that, go somewhere else. And now, on with the story, or whatever other crap I decide to come up with. Welcome to Episode 9 of Incarceration. Hello everybody, it is Christopher Chapman. And I am back for another episode of Incarceration, part of the Going Postal cast. I hope all of you have had a wonderful Thanksgiving and the weekend following Thanksgiving when you're trying to lose all the weight you gained from Thanksgiving. Is everyone getting sick of the leftovers yet? Hope not, because it is mm-mm good cooking. So it was a pretty good uh Thanksgiving and everything for me. Got to watch a little bit of football. Got to watch the Lions lose. Sorry, guys. Not a Lions fan. Got to eat a lot of food. Got to spend some time. I had the kids this year for my for Thanksgiving after not having them for Thanksgiving last year or Christmas. So that kind of stunk. So finally got a holiday with them. So it was kind of nice. And had to set up a video conference so the kids could talk to their mom. Uh, later on in the day, that was kind of frustrating because the kids were just rambunctious from a full day. They got tired, and then it was just, well, basically it was WrestleMania. So, wow, what a day. And then right after that, we just got pelted with snow, and I just want to say I hate snow. Snow is one of those four-letter words that you basically will go to hell for. So, you say it. You're going to hell. So I'd like to get into a few updates. Incarceration has been doing very well, especially in the ebook department. I couldn't be happier about that. And I'm proud to announce that the candidate is now available on iTunes, on the iBook store, as well as already being available on the Kindle. Still waiting for a nook. It's taking every bit as long as the last one did, so. We might be looking at another two to three weeks before that one shows up. As far as the audiobook goes, well, having some problems with that. I've got everything edited, was looking to put it together and get it sent out and posted on the website as available now, and missing some files. So going to check all my backups and see if I can't find them, because obviously... Something is not right here. So, uh, the joys of an old computer and too many files on a small hard drive. So, I will get that taken care of. If I have to re-record it, I will definitely do that. But I am guessing I'm going to be finding those files in the next couple of days here, and everything will be back on track. Now it's time for something I promised last week, and that is... A little dig into the mailbag. I'm going to check one of the questions or read one of the questions from my email and I'm going to answer that question the best that I can. 
So I should probably have like an intro here, or maybe I should do, you know, fra you know, here's the mail, it never fails, it makes me wanna I'm not gonna do that. Okay. I I'm not insane. Oh wait, I am. I'm still not doing it though. I'm not singing that. Anyway, so this question comes from Neil, who asks, Why is your website goingpostalpublishing.com? Why don't you use your name like normal authors? Well, that is actually a very simple question, and thank you for asking it. ChristopherChapman.com, I actually used to own the rights to that. Well, somebody bought it after I let it run out a couple years ago because of, well, I didn't think I was going to be writing anymore, and the whole reason for having the web web address for my name was for the writing, and when you know the marriage was starting to go bad, the writing really wasn't going to wasn't taking precedence, so I kind of let it expire, and so that was gone. So somebody else has it. I can't do anything about it. So I decided I was going to do like Christopher R. Chapman for my middle name, and that I thought was confusing. So I thought about Christopher Chapman books or Chris Chapman books or Christopher Chapman author. And I thought, well, that's good and dandy, but it, it still seemed long. It still seemed drawn out. And I thought, well, you know what? I came up with the name Going Postal Publishing for our little going our little publishing company here. And I thought, well, I know that one's not taken. No one's going to be taking that. So I went online. I purchased it and decided we're going to just run everything through going postal pub publishing it's not some kind of narcissist thing or something where i'm trying to pretend that this is a huge publishing company and that we're all big and bad no this is a very tiny publishing company that's going to focus mostly on the electronic part portion of publishing but we are going to offer of course the paper printed books and such so that's the answer to that question it just ChristopherChapman.com was no longer available, and I thought this was just the easiest way to go. I'm not an author who's going to change his name to, like, C.R. Chapman or or something that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, I decided to go this way, and it so far is working, so, you know, I haven't gotten too many complaints on it, but thank you for the question. And you can submit questions by emailing me, goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. I could obviously use one of my other emails that actually uses my name, but I figure just stick with the uh, going postal publishing for this. Make it universal across the board. So I have a couple more questions, and I will answer at least one per episode unless we get a whole bunch of them. So without further ado, let's get into incarceration. This is episode 9 of incarceration, and things were just starting to get really good. The In the last episode, we had some more deaths, we had some more uh, mystery, well, not so much mystery. I think you're starting to figure out what the heck's going on, so let's just get right into it. I've been talking for almost 7 minutes, my voice is getting gravelly, so episode 9 of incarceration. Chapter 16 The strange shadow forgot. Randy Thompson couldn't remember the last time he'd felt this good. The worst was over, and it was time for him to reap the rewards. 
His entire journey from the station had been filled with thoughts about how he would be rewarded by the community for solving this crime so quickly. He went to bed soon after getting home, sliding in next to his wife, who was fast asleep. Surprisingly, she didn't stir as he made himself comfortable next to her. He felt the warmth of his bed and quickly fell asleep, the fact that he caught the killer giving him peace of mind. He didn't sleep very long, nor did his good feelings last much longer. Shortly after seven, only two hours after he'd fallen asleep, the telephone rang, waking him instantly. He looked at his wife, realizing quickly that she had no intention of grabbing the telephone. He grumbled, reaching over her to grab the phone. He lifted it and put the receiver to his head. Uh, hello? Randy asked, clearing his throat of phlegm. Randy, it's me, a man's voice said. It was Brad calling back. I have a whole lot of bad news for you. What? Randy asked, trying to comprehend the words. What could be wrong? His mind suddenly returned to the events of the night before, the murders, the blood, and the capture. What are you talking about? He found that he was now completely awake. The few hours of sleep he'd had in the last couple of days were suddenly more than enough. He wanted to know what was happening and wanted to know right now. Jim's missing, Brad said. Jim? It took a moment to process. You mean Jim Hendricks? Yes, he disappeared from the crime scene last night. I drove back out there right after you left the station to, you know, get away from the screaming. When I got there, I was told that Jim hadn't been seen since he went outside to talk to you. Randy tried to remember when that was. It was shortly after Brad had left with Jason. He'd been investigating those strange prints on the ground when Jim had confronted him. That had to have been shortly before, too. Had he really been missing for more than four hours? Did you check the house? Have you tried calling him? Sir, his cruiser is still there, Brad said. As far as anyone knows, he never left the crime scene. I tried calling his house less than 20 minutes ago. His wife says that she hasn't seen him, but she will have him call us when he returns. I don't think she realizes how serious this is. Sir... We have no idea where he is. Is there anything else at the scene that could tell us anything? No, sir, not really, he replied. There was a long pause, as if he didn't want to say what was coming next. Randy was about to say something when he finally spoke. We also found blood. I know, there's a lot of it in the house. No, not in the house. Outside. About 50 feet from the southwest corner of the house, I saw some footprints in the wet grass. They led to a group of trees. I found blood, lots of blood, and a spot where it appears that a body was dragged through the grass. The path seems to disappear into thin air about 50 feet later. I don't know what to make of it, sir. Randy did. He pictured Jim being drugged away with his throat ripped out. No, that couldn't be. They had the killer in custody. It gets worse, sir, Brad said, pulling him out of his thoughts. The reason why I'm calling you is that Iron Mountain's chief medical examiner just called me. Randy knew what he was going to say before he said it. The bodies are gone, sir. Randy was furious. How could something like this happen? He'd taken precautions to make sure that something like this didn't happen again. Somebody screwed things up. He was going to have somebody's head for this. What happened to the two officers that I requested to stand watch? Don't tell me that the IMPD screwed that up, too. I don't know, sir, Brad said, 
they're gone too. The medical examiner showed up for a shift this morning and found the bodies missing. He also found blood in the morgue. He seems to think that their officers were killed there and removed from the premises. It's just like the night before. It's as if the bodies just got up and walked out. We both know that's a bunch of bullshit, Randy snapped. His wife's head popped up from the pillow for the first time. She looked at him with confusion. Bodies just can't get up and walk out of the morgue. Nor can they murder two Iron Mountain police officers. Have you spoken with the IMPD? No, sir, he replied. I've been told that they're on the scene, though. I'm waiting for some kind of response from them. I'll let you know as soon as I hear something. Can you handle this? Randy asked. He needed to be sure. Do you need me to come in, or can you handle it for a few more hours? Um, I think I'll be fine. There was definitely hesitation in his voice. Okay, let me get a few more hours of sleep, then I'll take over for you. He hung up the telephone without saying anything else. He looked at his wife as a defeated man. For the second morning in a row, his case was blowing up in his face. What once seemed like a cut-and-dry case was now looking much like the opposite. Doubt flooded his mind, and he wondered how difficult it would be to get that guilty verdict once the media caught wind of it. Everything okay, dear? Samantha, his wife asked. She looked at him lovingly, curious about what was happening. You look like a deer caught in the headlights. Randy didn't know what to say. He knew that his wife meant well, and wanted him to feel better. But he didn't know where to start. He'd always made it a policy not to bring his work home with him. He felt that telling her anything about the case would be hazardous to their marriage. He thought it over as his wife placed her hand on his shoulder. Her hand was warm to the touch. You can tell me, she said. Honestly, it'll be okay. He looked her in the eyes and knew she was telling the truth. She genuinely wanted to know what was bothering him. He decided that it was time to vent. He told her everything. For the first time in the nine years they'd been married, he told her every detail. He mentioned Jason, the missing bodies, and the officers that disappeared on the job. She took everything in, nodding at everything he said. When it was all over, she finally spoke as her arms wrapped around his neck. You've had a rough couple of days. I don't have anything that I can say that will make it any better. All that I can say is that this is all going to work itself out. It has to. Nothing can stay the way it has. Everything moves forward. I'm sure that you'll soon understand what's happened to those bodies and the missing officers will turn up. I don't know about that, Randy said. I know that you mean well and that you're trying to make me feel better, but that's not how the world works. This whole thing has gone to crap and there's nothing I can do about that. I fully realize that. All I can do is try my best to get that kid to turn on whoever he's working with. That's going to be my first order of business today. Right after you get some extra sleep, Samantha said, pushing against his chest with her hands, attempting to force him to lie down. You've been working almost nonstop for two straight days. I saw what time it was when you snuck into bed. You're getting some sleep and that's all there is to it. There was no point in arguing with her. He lied down and watched her do the same. He closed his eyes, feeling a sense of warmth. He had a good wife and would never do anything to ruin it. He closed his eyes, but there was no more sleep for him. Chapter 17 The first cracks of light coming through a seam in what should have been a window ended Jason's night of hell.
He spent the entire night in fear, wondering if the next moment would bring the monster that killed his mother and father out of the blackness. He hadn't seen anything. Seeing had been impossible when there was no light in the room, but he'd heard things. Voices. He heard many voices throughout the night. He didn't know where they came from or why he heard them. He couldn't even determine if they'd come from his own mind. His entire world had been thrown so far out of whack that he couldn't make heads or tails of what was real or fantasy. The voices were everywhere, coming to him from all corners of the room. Some voices were familiar, while others were strange. Through it all, he screamed. He screamed because he was scared of being in the dark, where the monster could get him. He screamed to drown out the voices. Yet, no matter how long or loud he screamed, he couldn't drown out the voices. One set of familiar voices he'd heard were those of his parents. They were calling out to him, asking him to join them. They talked to him about how great death was and how great it would be if he were with them. No matter how much he screamed, he still could hear them. No matter how hard he tried, he couldn't block them out. He didn't stop screaming until the sun came up, coming through cracks in the wall. His throat was sore and dry. He needed a drink of water to soothe his burning throat. He didn't know what time they were going to feed him breakfast, or if they were going to at all. He sat alone for a few hours in the light, but no food came. He didn't know if he could eat, but he wanted something to drink. There was little he could do until they came. He studied the crack in the wall. At some point it used to be a window. There were still bars on the inside, but now there was plywood that kept most of the light out. Jason studied its location, thinking that there was something familiar about it. Thinking back to the darkness, he realized that the voices might very well have come from that window. Had he been dreaming about the voices, or had they been real? His mind didn't want to rationalize if either were true. He wondered if he were going insane. He didn't doubt that it was a very strong possibility. After what he'd experienced the night before, after witnessing the death of his parents, he didn't deny that his sanity was being pushed to the brink. That wasn't all of it either. Yes, witnessing the murders was bad enough. The parents that cared for him since the day he was born were gone, thrown away like pieces of spoiled meat. Everything they'd done for him was nothing more than a memory, fading in the stress of murder. He felt as if he were forgetting them already. All he could remember was that stupid argument they'd had the night before he stormed up to bed. Why had he argued with them? They had his best intentions in mind. He wished that their last true moments together weren't spent arguing. Worse than that was the fact that he had been arrested for their murders. He did everything he could to help them, including stabbing the killer and pushing him down the stairs. In the end, the killer had somehow lived and escaped. Now it was he who had been arrested and now faced charges. If he couldn't come up with a way to prove his innocence, he was going to prison instead of the man, Monster, that was actually behind this. The door to his cell opened, sliding with a metallic screech. Jason looked at the opening door, expecting Officer Thompson to walk through. It wasn't Thompson. In his place was the officer that had brought him to the station. What was his name? He couldn't remember. Hello, Jason, the officer said. How are you doing? Jason wanted to say, I've been better. But nothing came out but a croak. His throat was sore and hoarse. 
He couldn't talk. He screamed for so long that his voice had now given out on him. He pointed at his throat. The officer nodded at him as if he understood. You gave us quite a scare, he said in a tone that Jason didn't like. All that yelling. Some of us thought that you would have screamed yourself asleep. You know, like a baby. Surprise, surprise. Here you are still awake, but without a voice. Jason glared at him. Where was this guy going with this? Was he trying to mock him? The tone of his voice certainly implied that. The officer pulled a notepad from his pocket and tossed it to Jason. He snatched it out of the air. The officer then produced a pen and walked close enough to hand it to him. He backed away and leaned against the wall. The cell door closed as his hand pressed against the wall. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, the officer said. I want you to answer by writing your answers on this notepad. This is very important. Do you understand? Jason nodded. He understood just how important everything was. The only problem was that he also understood that this was nothing more than a game to the officer. He wasn't trying to figure out if he was innocent or not. The cop didn't know anything about that. He just wanted his job to be made easier. The only problem was that there was little that Jason could do to help this officer. It didn't help that he didn't want to help the officer at all. He would play the game, however, at least for a little while. Good, the cop said. First, who are you working with? Jason stared at the cop, not knowing what he was talking about. Did he think he killed his parents with the help of somebody else? That was likely what he meant. He chose not to write anything. We know that you've been working with somebody, the cop continued. Several people are missing, people that are directly involved in this case. You were in custody when they disappeared, so we know that there has to be an accomplice. Jason knew that this was as good of an opportunity as any to write a response. He used the pen to scribble a small message. He turned the notepad, showing it to the cop. The cop moved closer to look at the message. His eyes widened when he read it. Jason had written in capital letters. He got them. Who's he? the cop asked. Jason shrugged his shoulders. He was being as honest as he could. He turned the page and wrote another message. He showed it to the cop. It consisted of only two words. The monster. Monster? The cop looked skeptical. You've got to be shitting me. You actually want me to believe a bullshit story about some monster killing your parents? Jason nodded. Kid, you're messed up in the head. Well, I want to fill you in on a little secret. Your parents aren't at the morgue anymore. Their bodies were stolen by your partner. What? Jason was irate. How could somebody take his parents' bodies? Wasn't there supposed to be security measures in place to prevent something like this? The only thing he could think of was that the killer, Monster, broke into the morgue to take the bodies as some kind of trophy. He could just imagine what he was doing with those bodies at that moment. Two thoughts immediately popped into his mind. He worried that the killer was either having sex with the corpses, or he was eating them. Neither thought was exactly appealing. He felt his stomach lurch. He turned his head to the right and let a little food that was in his system come up. It was mostly bile but it covered the floor in a thin puddle of slime. Jesus Christ, kid, the cop snarled. What in the hell did you do that for? 
Now I gotta send somebody in here to clean that shit up. There's a toilet at the back of the room. Jason turned his head again and saw that there was a toilet there. He hadn't been able to tell when it had still been dark out. The sensation in his bladder gave him the idea of something he could do after the cop left. That would relieve a little stress from his body. Kid, are you going to give me any answers or what? Jason shrugged his shoulders. Believe it or not, I'm trying to help you. If you still have a partner out there, you need to let me know. I can't guarantee anything, but Randy might be able to work out a deal to give you a chance for parole in the future. You're looking at five counts of murder. Don't throw away your life at such a young age. The door slid open again. Standing at the door was the man that Jason had initially thought would come in. It was Chief Thompson. He looked upset. Actually, upset wasn't the right word. Pissed off was more like it. He walked in, heading straight for the other cop. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Thompson asked the other cop just loud enough that Jason could overhear them. You have no authority to be doing this. You know we can't offer him anything, and he's requesting to have a lawyer present before he talks again. You want him to get out on a technicality? The cop shook his head. Get the hell out of here. You've been awake for far too many hours. Go home and get some sleep. Your head will seem a little clearer when you wake up. The cop walked out, his head bowed towards the floor. Thompson turned his attention towards Jason. I'm sorry about that, Thompson said to him. He had no right to be pestering you like that. May I have that pen and notepad back? Jason handed them to him. Thank you. His attention turned to the vomit on the floor. I'll have somebody in to clean that up in about five minutes. Your breakfast shouldn't be too long after that, and your court-appointed lawyer should be in to see you at some point today. Any questions? Jason shook his head. Thompson nodded. He turned and left, leaving Jason all alone in the cell. His brain raced with the revelations the cop gave him. The bodies were missing. His mother and father's bodies were missing. He felt a stabbing pain in his chest. Somewhere out there was a monster of a man, and he had his parents. What he was doing with those bodies, he no longer wished to know. All he could do was wait to see if their bodies turned up. It wasn't as if he had anywhere else to go. He rubbed at his throat, hoping it would help with the soreness. It didn't. He wished there was something that would take away his hoarseness and eliminate the pain. Hell, he wished there were other things that would take away other forms of pain. He didn't want to feel any of the pain he was feeling at that moment. He wanted it all to be over with. After relieving himself, Jason walked towards the small bed in the cell. There wasn't much to it. There was no blanket or pillow, just an uncovered gym mat acting like a mattress on the floor. He laid down on it, wanting to get some sleep. He closed his eyes and felt himself drifting off almost instantly. His mind drifted, forgetting all about the events of the night before. He was peaceful and almost asleep. The metallic clang of the door opening once more brought him out of his doze. He lifted his head and saw that a tray of food had been placed on the floor. The door was already closing again. His breakfast had arrived. He needed a moment to decide which he would rather do. He was extremely tired, yet he was ravenous with hunger. He needed to eat every bit as much as he needed to sleep. He was basically flipping a coin in his mind. After a few moments of deliberating, he decided that he needed the food more. He walked to the tray and picked it up. He looked at the tray's contents and felt his stomach tighten again. 
The tray contained globs of yellow pus that may or may not have been eggs. There were two slabs of dried out meat that could have been either bacon or sausage. Rounding out the trifecta were two slices of bread with two small globs of butter on them. A small foam cup containing orange juice was on the floor next to where the tray had been. He grabbed the plastic fork and poked at the globs that he thought were eggs. He placed the fork full in his mouth. That was all his stomach needed. He turned his head and vomited once more. His throat felt as if it were on fire. I gotta get out of here, he thought, knowing that it may be a very long time before that actually happened. He believed that he was in this for the long haul and didn't know if he could handle eating food like this every day. Giving up on the food, he went back to the bed and lied down. Worse things than this would come soon. And welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. It's time for the shameless self-promotion. We're going to go through this really quick. And I'm going to start with the thing that I'm always forgetting. Amazon. If you are looking to purchase through Amazon, and I know all of you are, this, this time of year, everyone's buying through Amazon. Well, if you want to help out the show, if you've decided that the podcast is your free way of listening to this book and acquiring this book, and you still want to help out, well, just go to goingpostalpublishing.com and click on the Amazon link on the banner that's on the lower right-hand side of the page, and just buy whatever it is you wanted to buy, whether it be, I don't know, some video games, um, t- today's Cyber Monday. Hey, I'm sure they got some great deals. Pick some stuff up. And guess what? It doesn't cost you anything extra. And I see a few pennies for sending you that way. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And Amazon decides to give me a little bit of love for sending a few customers their way. And now we're going to go to Twitter, twitter.com slash pub. Facebook.com slash Going Postal Publishing. I am thrilled to see that we have a few new likes on there. Yay! Hi, everyone. Hi. Glad to have you aboard. You're all awesome. Yay. Hi. I covered all the rest already, so let's just get out of here. It's been a wonderful episode. I need to go and eat some more turkey because that fridge still has way too much food in it, and I need to eat some of it, so I'm going to get out of here. But in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. You've been listening to the Going Postal Cast. For updates about Christopher Chapman, his stories, and future podcast happenings, be sure to go to goingpostalpublishing.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub, or like him at facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. This podcast is copyright 2012, Going Postal Publishing.